Hey, happy 2023 from me, Pastor Jeffrey, and uh, the Noana Methodist Church. Glad you're listening to our podcast. I pray the Lord's blessing and peace be upon you this year as you turn to Him. I say as you turn to Him because why would you be listening to a podcast from a church if you're not interested in turning to the Lord? Um, This particular podcast, this episode, is our first from 2023. It is the first Sunday after Christmas, and we're following the Revised Common Lectionary, uh, which means we're doing four readings that are uh, connected to one degree or another. I actually didn't get to hit on the gospel reading. We ran out of time. But um, essentially, the three readings that we do cover, I have point towards covenant renewal. Now, in a very important sense, every worship service is a covenant renewal service. However, at the start of every year, I have us read the Covenant Prayer in the Wesleyan Tradition, and we had uh, an, a new friend join the church. Uh, just a lot of good things around starting off the year right. Now, you don't have to wait on the new year to start things off right, but if it is a helpful thing, then we want to hop on that. So, um, as you're listening to this episode today, I hope you're thinking on the nature of covenant, your relationship with the Lord, and um, how it is that you can be a faithful covenant participant not just with Jesus, but with your brothers and sisters in Christ. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoy it and uh, bless you as you attend upon the word with us. Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. Happy and healthy new year to all of you. Good morning. Our first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 63, verses 7 through 9, which you can find on page 1057 of your pew Bibles. Listen to the word of God. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us, and the great goodness towards the house of Israel which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. For he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bare them and carried them all the days of old. This is the word of God. Praise be to God. All right, is that a happy reading, a mad reading, a sad reading? Uh, what, how would you characterize that? If that's not a happy reading, I don't know what is. You know, I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord. Praise the Lord according. He has bestowed on us and the great goodness of the house of Israel, which he had bestowed on them. For he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. That's a causative thing right there. They won't lie, so I'll be good to them. I'll be their savior. In all their affliction, God was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bare them. He carried them all the days of old. The end, they lived happily ever after. 
Revised Common Lectionary decides where we start and stop. And this is Christmas, and I think that the people who selected this said, we need some happy, a good word. We just need a happy message. Problem is, that's really dishonest, because look at the very next verse. If you still got your Bible open, it says, but they rebelled, and they vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy. It's talking about God here. God turned to be their enemy because they vexed his spirit, and he fought against them. The problem here is talking about covenant, and we, we live in an age where people want to believe in unconditional covenant, right? We, we live in an age where people are supposed to say things like, I love you unconditionally. Uh, things are always going to be good with me and you. If, you know, I, I just, there is no such thing as a healthy relationship that's unconditional. There, anybody ever watch Dog Whisperer with Caesar Milan? He taught, he's right. Dogs are the same as humans. You need rules, boundaries, and limitations. That's a direct Caesar Milan quote. Humans need rules, boundaries, and limitations. If we don't have them, we are miserable. That's why our society is miserable today. This, 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 this libertine tendency we have to remove all norms and boundaries we think will make us happy. It's on a, a root thing. There was a study that all they did was they took groups of kids and they would put them in an unmarked field and a marked field that had boundaries. And kids in an unmarked field that was big would be insecure. They would kind of get angsty. Kids in a marked field, a contained area, would, would play so much better together. Have, and that's humans. Humans need rules, boundaries, and limitations, and God gives them to us. It's called a covenant relationship. And when we play by his rules, when we abide by his instructions, when we obey his laws, we are blessed. But when we rebel, God becomes our enemy. That's what this says right here. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about the old covenant or the new covenant. God has a covenant. He has made a deal with us, and has he been gracious in his deal? If, if God is not gracious, then I don't know who is. It is the best terms. Despite the fact that we are born in sin, aligned against him, that we naturally desire darkness and hate God, he decided to love us and send his son to die for us anyway, such that even though we are imperfect and impure, he takes us just as we are. That's what we were just singing about, right? Just as I am. What's that hymn about? It's the fact that you and I are born wretched. You know, we are wretches, amazing grace. How sweet that we sing this to the top of our lungs. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch like me. That's a holdover from a previous generation when people weren't so proud. Nowadays, if you call somebody, how dare you judge me? Well, we're all wretches without Jesus. I had a buddy texting me earlier this week saying, I'm depressed. I just read Ecclesiastes. Anybody ever read Ecclesiastes? It is a depressing book. That is a portrait of what life is without Jesus. Without Jesus, there is no purpose. There is no point. Without God, why live? You cannot justify suffering. There is no way to get through life without suffering. When suffering comes your way, why are you putting up with it? Why don't you kill yourself? Why do you continue to go through it day after day? If there is nothing on the other side, then you're a fool to continue suffering. Anybody, I'm, I, apparently I'm going on tirade today. I didn't do this in Delaware. Anybody know what's going on in Canada right now with medical assistance and death? They made a nice acronym of it. It's MAID, M-A-I-D. In some portions of Canada, significant numbers of people are electing to kill themselves because they're depressed, because there's no point to their lives. 
It is not a coincidence that in the, in the former Christian West, where people are no longer believing God, that everybody's depressed. That is a causative relationship right there. And the other causative relationship is when you believe in God, when you conform to him, when you obey him, you will be blessed. And God will be faithful. God is faithful. So every day, here's the exhortation today, I'm going to say it a few times, is be in faithful covenant with God and you will find him faithful. God, is, God loved us before we could love him, and all he asks is that we love him back. And when we love him back, everything's good. But if we want to believe that we can lead lives loving Satan and darkness and sin and expect for God to save us, we will be sorely disappointed. So that's what this Isaiah reading points to. That's what I believe the whole Bible points to. Um, and that's something that I think we just need to consider as we go home and read our Bibles as we continue forward in faith. I want people resolving, I might not have ever been in good relationship with God. This year is going to be the year. Today is going to be the day that I turn it around. I'm going to be a faithful covenant partner with God. Let's turn to page 861 in your hymnals, and we're going to do uh, Psalm 148 together. We've done this one a number of times. It's where we're talking to various aspects of the creation and telling them to praise God. The sung response sounds like this. Let all things their creator bless. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. All right, let's sing that together and then we'll read through it together. Let all things their creator bless. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Pop quiz before we read it. What language is the word alleluia from? Hebrew. What's it mean in Hebrew? There it is. Praise the Lord. A couple people got it. So we're singing let all things their creator bless and then we're saying three times praise the lord hallelujah 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 is saying praise the lord okay so that's what we're singing together that is not good night that girl is so loud all right let's let's praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord from the heavens praise the lord in the heights praise the lord sun and moon Praise the Lord, all shining stars. Let all things their creator bless. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth. Did I skip a section? You guys never correct me. You're so nice to me. Well, we're not going to give God short shrift. We're going to go back to the second section, okay? I'm going to give JC a second to get back there. Hey, I'm sorry for the curveball I threw you. All right. Let them praise the name of the Lord who commanded and they were created. Let 
Praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters and all deeps. Let all things their creator bless. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Kings of the earth and all peoples. Princes and all rulers of the earth. Let them praise the name of the Lord, whose name alone is exalted, whose glory is above earth and heaven. Praise the Lord. Let all things their creator bless. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. So at the end, you have the uh, connection to the covenant community. God has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful ones. That's us the community of saints united with the angels in heaven for the people of Israel who are near their gods. So that's the direction to the covenant community. But before this, it goes through all the parts of creation, not all, but a lot of the parts of the creation. And then the last part of the creation is us, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Now, do you think at the end, I, I was looking at this this morning, and I thought, how humbling is it that it names all of nature, and then finally, like an afterthought, it has humanity. But when you think about Genesis 1, humans are created at the last. But are we just an afterthought of creation? No. We are the crown of creation. We're made in God's image. And so just because it names humans last here doesn't mean anything. But what it does name is a lot of different features and facets of nature. And I learned something this week. I try and learn something new. Some weeks I do better than others. And in our language in English, a ton of our words come from Latin, from Greek, some from Germanic languages, some from uh, Hebrew for obvious reasons, not much from Egyptian. But there is one very common word in our language that comes from Egyptian, and it's the word nature. The word it comes from is, is they think, called, pronounced neter, neter. And the way that it meant, was meant in Egyptian was the whole creation, spiritual and physical. So the spiritual world in particular. So when you're talking about natural in Egyptian, we have this uh, worldview that's very artificial, was created in the age of enlightenment with scientists. They said, oh, there's no spiritual realm. There's just the physical material. That's what we've got. But ancient peoples of all cultures, you know, we're in Oklahoma, the land of Native American tribes. Pretty much every Native American tribe knew that spirits and material are overlapped. The spiritual realm and the, the physical realm are overlapped. And so whenever we're going through the list of creation, let all things their creator bless, it's not just these materialistic items. It's the spiritual realm overlapping the physical realm. That's the biblical worldview here. They knew that there were spiritual forces all around us and that the God we worship sits in the El Elyon, the highest heavens. 
we serve God who sits in the highest heavens, is the one who created the whole natural order. And that when we are in right relationship with God, we and all creation, our right orientation is praising God. The biblical story is, starting in chapter 2 of Genesis, humans rebelled, angels rebelled, and God has been trying to fix our mess ever since. And he's going to be able to do it. He's told us how he's going to do it. Jesus and the Christian church are a big part of that. The question is not, how's God going to do it, or is he going to do it? The question is, am I going to be a part of it? That's the question we're asking every day of our lives. And the way that we answer yes is we conform our lives to what we find in God's word. And so that's why we're in, in the church. Because we understand, as the Hebrews reading is going to say today, that when you're in relationship with Jesus, you're in relationship with his family, brothers and sisters. That's y'all. You don't get to go through life just me and Jesus. you got to be with his family. So if we want to be good partners with Jesus, you know, if I, was, if I was a bad husband, I would say, Sarah Beth, I married you, but not your family. I don't want to hang out with them. That wouldn't work. We would not be a happily married couple if I wanted to be married to her and not her family. And that's how it is with Jesus. When you get him, you get his family, you get his covenant. And that's what we're doing here. We're gathering as a family to reaffirm our covenant with our Lord. Our third reading is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 10 through 18, which you can find on page 1685 of your pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of God. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he, and for that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Sucker means comfort. So when it says he is able to succor those who are tempted, who are the ones who are tempted? It's us. Did anybody look at the image on the, the uh, bulletin this morning? Has a picture of the cradle, but then it quotes Hebrews 2.17, which we just read. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Who are his brothers? Us. We are. He's made like us. So... Um, we have a lady in the Delaware church 
who's about to get a surgical operation on her foot, and in order to deaden it, they put some acid in there to kill the nerves, and the doctor tells her it won't hurt at all. I've had that operation done. It hurts, okay? I said, your, your, daughter's, your doctor is a dirty liar. Get ready. And so she's ready, but another lady at worship said, you know, you can't trust anybody who hasn't gone through it themselves, you know? And any good leadership thing is going to tell you, never ask people to do something you're not willing to do yourself. And that's the kind of God we have. We don't have a God who sat up in heaven and just left us to our own devices or who said, I'm going to stay up here. You guys live this way. Otherwise, I'll kill you. Rather, God came down to be with us, to be one of us, to have the exact same weaknesses and frailties as us and to conquer for us to die for us. That's the God we have. There is nothing you and I can go through that God does not understand because Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, has already gone there. It is a very different thing to serve the Christian God than any other God. Other religions cannot conceive of a God who becomes a human and dies. That's the God we have. There is nowhere we can go that he does not understand with firsthand knowledge. And he has done it. And because he has done it, and he gives us his Holy Spirit, we can do it too. So when we are going through temptations and trials and pain, we remember Jesus did all of this before me, and he prevailed. And because I am his brother and I have his spirit, I can prevail too. That is one of the scandalous things about the Bible that people do not understand. People think that Christians are supposed to be as weak and purposeless and listless and clueless as the world, and that is not the case. We have been given everything needed for salvation, to go through our lives boldly, with confidence, with comfort and patience, bearing the suffering that we have daily, and some of us have a lot of suffering daily, we can do that because Christ did it first. He is the high priest of our salvation. He is the sacrifice that was needed to atone for our sins. All this is in Hebrews. I'm using Hebrews language. I can't bring it all to life right now, but I need for y'all to understand this covenant thing that Christ brings us into. It's not that he is off somewhere else and he says, you stay there, I'll be. He came to be with us and start the covenant. He started the kingdom here through his church and the church today is an extension of that. The church today is not some special little thing we're just doing over here in no water that the world doesn't understand. We are participating in the eternal kingdom come down from heaven that one day will be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This thing that we're doing right here is universal. It's eternal. And even though we might be small people in a small town that nobody cares about, we are connected to an eternal God who connects us to the universe and the purpose and the truth and the life and the light. That's the God we're a part of. That's the religion that we're a part of. And for that reason, we live as peculiar people. If you were here in worship last week, that's biblical language from Titus. You and I are called to be peculiar people for Jesus. And we can do it because he was a peculiar guy, wasn't he? We need to, we need to move on. And we, um, we don't have time for the next hymn or the next reading. But the next reading is we covered it um, at our Christmas Eve service. So if you didn't come to Christmas Eve, you missed out and you're not getting it today. Um, but at this point, um, I, I'm just going to wrap up the time in the word with an exhortation. And that is, if you don't think much about covenant, you really should. You should think about your covenant with the Lord. Have you entered into covenant with the Lord? What is the covenant entry point? What is the thing that the Bible tells us to do when we enter into covenant with God and the church? 
Crucify our flesh is the way of life. But how do you enter? So in the Old Testament, how did you enter into covenant with God in the Old Covenant? Circumcision. In the New Covenant, with the church, how do you enter into covenant with God? What is, the, what is, the, what is that? Baptism. So baptism is the point at which you officially enter into the covenant of the New Testament through Christ Jesus with the church. So you have the covenant community of old Israel through circumcision. You have the new covenant community, the church. Baptism is the, is the sign act that, that brings you into that. So I'm not saying that baptism is what saves you. What's the one thing that saves? Faith. Faith in Christ Jesus is the only thing that saves. Yes, and Jesus is the one who saves. He is the Savior. His name means Savior. But the thing that connects us to him is faith. And when you have faith, you enter into covenant with him through his community. It's just so clear throughout the Bible. So that's why we do baptism. That's why we do this holy meal. This is a covenant meal, a covenant renewal meal together. Jesus said this is the blood of the new covenant. That's what he said. So we're, this should all be connected. We are a covenant people. We live in a, a culture that doesn't like covenant because covenant is like contracts, and we don't like being constrained. We don't like rules, boundaries, and limitations. The Bible gives them, and our job is not to buck them. Our job is to joyfully submit to them. So I want to encourage you to understand your faith in relationship with Christ Jesus and with his people as a covenant that you joyfully participate in.